everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. We're here to discuss yet another win for Liverpool this season, and joining me to in a happy pod, hopefully today. First up, we have uh, Neil Devlin. Who are you happy, Neil? And how are you? Uh, I am rarely happy. Um, I'm happy. No, to... that's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, momentarily, I am happy. Well, there, there, there's, a, there's a plan. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to ask you anything for Neil Devlin is happy. I'm, I'm away, I'll see you other... later. <laughs> nice talking to you. <laughs> Talk to you next week. And also, we have the Chief, Neil Patterson. Uh, how are you this evening, Neil? Happy? I'm happy. I'm always happy when my glass is half full. And, yep, it's half full at the moment, so it's all good. And certainly, last but not least, we have Amara Naz in London. How are you, Amara? All good with you? I'm so excited. I'm finally getting to pod with Neil Devlin. Well, that's... he's gone. <laughs> he's <laughs> gone. Go <laughs> <No>, away. <laughs> <laughs> every time tasty. we try to every time we try to organize a pod it just never worked so this is a uh-huh. first and, the, and even when we do organize it it never works either so it's, it's actually the cop thing <laughs> right, so, I'm, right, hoping, let's get I'm hoping it's all you wanted it to be well <laughs> it, it is and much more well, well, i'm pleased to be with you on this auspicious occasion <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let, listen, it, it, it was three points, but it wasn't without its sort of <laughs> knee-jerking, heartbreaking, heart-mouth moments. And I'll start with Neil Devlin on this one. Uh, Neil, your thoughts on, on the weekend? Uh, obviously, you know, three points are welcome anyway. Uh, we did, the scoreline sort of glosses over the, the what we cl- class as maybe the, the, the shortcomings in it, but it's three points. It's a way to home to Crystal Palace, a game we would normally struggle in. You know, we've, we beat West Brom the week before, a game we traditionally struggle in. And things appear. You know, you and I have been very negative on this podcast, but I couldn't have dreamed of us being in the position we're in at the minute. And the signs do look good. You can't deny it. You speak for yourself. I've never been negative. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, uh, never on a Monday. <laughs> Ray sunshine, me. Uh, it, it was good that a six-goal thriller at the Palace actually resulted in, a, in us winning, and not three-three, for example. Uh, I watched it uh, with with friends of mine, uh, Spurs fan, uh, United fan, and a Newcastle fan, and it's testament to us that they the whole way through were going. I can't believe this. We should be watching Liverpool all season. We could watch this all day. <laughs> Because we were that entertaining, we we've now seemed to have become every neutral fan and everybody in between's team to watch. Everyone was sort of ex- expecting uh, City to be the the team that were going to be entertaining and thralling people. But if you, if you listen to football podcasts, even from like the the established media and things, we seem to be the people that, that people want to watch. And you well, can, you City, City, City got beaten by Minnows last week. You know, they lost, they lost to Manchester Derby, so you understand it. <laughs> I'm just going to gloss over that. I don't want to be accused of saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist. I can't put up with the grief anymore. City won 4-0 against West Brom, and still everybody's talking about how entertaining we are. Uh, it's a testament to us. Football's all about enjoying yourself, so I can, t- I can take this. The, the defense really worries me. It is kind of like thirteen fourteen, but in in that it's still when we go a goal down, we don't seem to care. We go, we get pegged back. We don't seem to care. I kind of liken it to if you're like a really good five aside team and you just sort of play your own football and you know you're going to win in the end. It doesn't matter if you concede a goal. It's like the players don't really care. They know they're better than the opposition. There's a swagger there that I haven't seen with Liverpool in. A very long time since maybe the days of Rafa Benitez. It's the swagger is back at Anfield, really. No, I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't disagree with you on that. And, and it is, I admit, arms in the air, I am surprised by it. Um, you know, I'm not surprised by the style of play, but just the fact that we talked. Um, I think it was the podcast before last about you know if we came out of this cycle of three games, there was the West Brom game, the Crystal Palace game. And you know we've got Watford coming, and I think it was yourself, Chief. You know we, we were talking about we were talking about seven points. Maybe out of those games have been a really good return. Nine nine looks a real possibility, and then you look forward to maybe the next batch of games that are coming up, and you know we could be right in the mix there come um, come Christmas time. Yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean I think we we did. We looked at those games and we thought. Um, you know we've beaten we've beaten some of the big teams so far, 
we've had uh, you know the big games away from home and the real test was going to be you know we couldn't really start talking about how good the season was going to be until we'd shown what we were going to do against the teams that shall we say we've we've struggled with over the last few years in fact we've, we've kind of traditionally struggled with certainly in the in the modern era um you know the the, the mid table or bottom to mid table teams so far so good you know we've only lost one game all season uh, admittedly that was against burnley but i mean they've had they've had a couple of decent results against uh, teams that have got top 6 aspirations um i think they beat everton there last week They've drawn with Manchester United there in the week. So, I mean, that's not too bad now when you look back over it. Obviously, it's nothing to shout about, but when that's your only defeat in the season, that, that's pretty good. Uh, our, our performance against West Brom was excellent. Um, we absolutely dominated that game and we should have we should have been out of sight by the time um, Gareth McCauley got the chance to, to whack in a, a reply in the 80th minute. But, you know, the, the next 10 minutes, it just showed uh, Liverpool going... Going for the third, going for the fourth. Obviously, the third never came, so the fourth was never gonna. But there were ch- there were chances and chances to go further ahead, and it was more much more likely to go that way than than West Brom were to come back into it. And I think the same really has to be said at the weekend there against Palace. What well, by the when we scored our first goal, which was was an excellent goal, it really seemed like the previous twelve minutes had just been the build up to that goal. Palace had had really offered absolutely nothing. And but for a bit of an aberration uh, at the back, you know, God knows what what could have happened in that game. But as it was, it went one-one. We've gone up the other end and scored two minutes after that. Again, we've conceded a couple of minutes after that. But then again, the seesaw swings back around. We score again. And at each point, I think Neil made the point there a minute ago. We didn't look phased, and we haven't looked phased when conceding goals, aside from the Burnley match. It's become the um, norm. <laughs> we yeah. concede. <laughs> we do concede, but um, we've conceded and then we've gone on and we've seen games out. We've either gone on ahead again and scored again or we've just gone on to see to see the game out. And we're winning all kinds of games. You know, we've, we've won against the big boys. We've won at home. We've won away. We've won against the teams we traditionally struggle against. We've won against the physical teams. We've beaten Pulis for the first time in God knows how long as as the the Sky pundits were desperate to, to talk about before the game and so on. So, I mean, it is it is coming together. And while there are still things to be ironed out, certainly certainly in defence, well, it's sort of to be expected when you're betting in a new goalkeeper, a new centre-back, half the time you're playing with a, with a left-back who's never really played there before, Milner. You know, you've got um, Lovren, who... Is on the road to redemption, but still is by no means a hundred percent reliable centre back. So I mean, you're going to have problems there, but so far so good. And you know, if we get that three points against Watford, as you say, to come back to your question, we're we're in a very very good position going into the international break. No, indeed we are. And you know, I'll come to Amara for for the defence affairs <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, Ums, your man Dejan had a bit of a nightmare, but. As I said pre-pod, that his mistake seemed to, to not make him crumble. It seemed to give him the determination and fucking bit between the teeth to get up the other end and score and put things right. And I think that is a big difference in mentality that I saw from Lovren this time. So while he did fuck up immeasurably, yes, I'm giving him credit that maybe the Dejan Lovren of 12 months ago might have crumbled in a, in a pool on the floor. The Dejan Lovren of the day reacted the way we we would love to see and, and by just taking a bit between his teeth and going up the other end score and what were your thoughts <laughs> well he didn't have a good game we can we can obviously say that but it had been a while since he'd committed an error hadn't it so um error leading to a goal let's say and when he and, and he, when he fucks up he's he fucks up like the, the boy is yeah you know just, there's no no getting away from it but it was one of those it was obviously a clear miss kick and it could have really happened to any anyone um but because really? of his track record, really? yes, yes. Where'd it go? Have, Where'd it go? Uh, have, you know, have you not really? ever had any sense to back <laughs> anyone kick the ball? Yes. <laughs> Company did enough. it via us, didn't he? Anyway, <laughs> obviously because of his track record, no one's going to you know, 
take that as a, as any kind of uh, justification and it's just magnified but you know like you said he went down the other end and he atoned for his mistake which you pretty much straight away a couple of minutes i think it was just uh, two or three minutes um and that was going to do wonders for his confidence it kind of just at least cancels it out if nothing else regardless of what else happened in the game and Matip scored one as well so that was good for the, for, for both of them but um Moreno yeah got just an assist? like wow Moreno had a really good game it, it's interesting to see what happens when um next next game I don't think he'll he'll play I think Milner will come straight back in but um you know he's given Klopp a little bit of uh hope or given us a little bit of hope as well because he, uh, he had a pretty torrid time before that but the match in general, I think it was just, I don't know. I mean, Neil was saying it's good for the neutrals. It's great for the neutrals, not so for us, because just heart palpitations all the way through the all the way through the game. And I wasn't too confident for this one. So um, to come away with it with a win, and it was a convincing win, because obviously those two goals that we gave away were pretty much our standard, just here, I have some goals. We feel very generous today kind of goals. So it's not like the team played well to get their goals. We just gave them to them which we do anyway. But overall, just a great exhibition of how not to let a cock up or to affect the whole team because, as you said, they we we messed up twice and we let them back in the game, but then we, we kind of managed to control it after that and um, last year's team wouldn't have been able to do that. And, you know, that's the confidence, I think, that's running through the team at the moment because we've got that mentali- mentality of you score and we'll outscore you like, it's like the 2013-14 season and it's knowing that we can do that whereas last season that wasn't happening it's still a bit of a concern because when defensively we're, where we're weak you're going to have those games where maybe the attackers have an off day or you know the other team may set out to just be defending the whole 90 minutes so you're going to have those days where it might not quite work but at the moment it's it's not going too badly and we are managing to get through these games Lim. but I'm, I'm hoping that club's going to sort this out at some point so we'll have to wait and see a lot's been said about you know Emery Chan has come back into the side again I'll come to Neil Devon with this one and it, it took him in the United game it sort of took him sort of 60 minutes in my opinion just to, to get himself back on the pitch again but since then he has looked very impressive and he does seem to to, to sort of run this midfield very very well what, what what's your thoughts on, on our midfield at the minute Neil? It's hard to say I still think we're missing Wijnaldum when he's not there but I can't tell you what Wijnaldum does when he is there. <laughs> it's a really funny situation. What, what I noticed, although Chan, he, yes, he's talented, yes, uh, he's imperious in that position, a lot of his runs seem to go nowhere. He seems to pick the ball up and just sort of put the head down and run. It's good in, in one way because it, pen, it pens the whole team, the opposition back. But at the same time, I think if Klopp's looking at that, I think Klopp wants more of a final product out of it. The goal, of course, will do him no harm at all. I don't think Ronaldo's scoring that, not in his current form anyway. The Ronaldo we were sold was maybe, is maybe scoring that goal, and he probably needs that goal. But I think with Chan in there, I don't think we've quite figured out that midfield. I think we looked better when it was Ronaldo, Lalana, and Henderson. But it might just be because there was a, a, a relationship, a rapport going on between those three guys because it did take a while for them to, to get to that stage and Chance is maybe feeling his way in. But he definitely brings a more attacking physical impetus in the middle. But his final his final product's maybe a wee bit lacking at the minute even though he did get the goal. It just... A lot of his, a lot of his runs forward to seem to come to nothing in my mind. But I, uh, did you not think that's a wee bit unfair given the age of him and so on? And he he does have a lot of developing left in him. Neil, I I'm I'm happy enough for where he is at the minute. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm just I, I'm trying to look at it from Klopp's point of view, and I just think I think that that's maybe the reason why he got Wijnaldum because I think Wijnaldum's maybe just a bit more complete and a bit further ahead in his development at this stage. And ho- a bit more savvy. Yeah. Was that what Yeah. Uh he's just he's been there and done it a bit a bit longer than Chan has. And maybe maybe when Aldum is the player that we we were all talking about in the summer that we maybe needed an experienced player to come in and show people like Chan and stuff what to do. Maybe when Aldum maybe Klopp sees when Aldum as that player. A bit a bit of tactical noose about him. He just seems to know like when he, when he came on uh, sort of later in the game, everything settled down a lot, 
a lot more for me. I know he came on for Lalana, but it just seemed the whole midfield just kind of sort of sort of went up, just maybe just another notch in its physicality and up another bit in its its intelligence. I don't know if you noticed that or not. You're going to fall out with Carly. <laughs> he still looks good while he's doing it. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the difference in Wijnaldum and Chan is is that Emery, he, he loves to take a few touches, like, and he loves to carry the ball. He's a powerful runner in that sense. And Whereas Wijnaldum, what, I know what you mean by saying oh, you don't really see what he does, but he just moves the ball on all the time. He's always looking for for a pass. Sometimes it'll go backwards, sometimes it'll go forward, sideways, but he's always just keeping it moving, popping along, keeping it very, very quick, one-two touch stuff. He's very clever at dropping into positions when other midfielders go forward and covering. And I think you're right in in that I think he has the, shall we say, the tactical experience to play in that midfield. Uh, and he's slightly... At a, at a more advanced stage tactically, possibly than Emery Chan. But I think it's interesting now because, you know, if you look at last season and you, you look at the way Klopp dealt with, with Chan and you look at Chan's performance against Villarreal, for example, and whatever, I think it was clear that he um, he wants he wants to start Emery Chan. He wants to kind of, um, you know, he wants to, he sort of, I think, has him earmarked as, as, his, as his general on the pitch in that kind of way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does with him. He looked really off when he came back in against United, but that was his first game back. And I think the last two games, he's he's looked much more like himself. He uh, was an integral in the first goal against West Brom, and then he scored scored the first goal against Palace. So he's starting to starting to find his feet. Uh, got something to come back in there. Uh, yeah, I think I think just simply when you look at it, I think Chance maybe just more of an indiv- individual player. He's more individual. Jalistic, do you know what I mean? He's not maybe even glaringly so. It's just he's got a bit of a, that about him that the rest of the team just don't have at all because everyone else is sort of pass, move, movement, everything is about that. Nobody in our team actually really goes on one of those runs unless it's maybe Phil after he scored one of his fucking Thunder Bastards or whatever. He usually takes on the entire team. But you notice it because it slows down slightly because he's got the ball for much more extended time than anybody else seems to have the ball. Because when Henderson gets that ball, he's playing the pass. When Alden gets that ball, he's playing the pass. Alana, same thing. It's all about playing the pass as quickly as possible, but it stands out that Chan makes those big domineering runs forward. It's something that the rest of our team... It's a, it's a positive in a way too because you need that you need that difference in your team, that unpredictability. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just kind of stood out for me, and it just kind of it's it's not really it's not really to say that it's slowing or to play down. I, I think it kind of interrupts our flow sometimes because the rest of the team are so ready for the, yeah. the two yard pass, the five yard pass. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's spot on. It's definitely noticeable, and that's you know that's what I mean when when I was saying that he does like to take a few touches. So I think you can you can definitely see that when he came back in that the midfield started to function slightly differently. Gives the opposition opportunity to then get a foot in as well, doesn't it? And then end up losing the ball sometimes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, I agree. I've seen that as well, where he does like to keep the ball and run forward where the others will be looking ahead. They're thinking ahead. You can tell that they're they're already looking where I'm going to pass the ball next. And then the opposition opposition team doesn't get an opportunity to then think as quick as we do. And then that sort of obviously helps us control that area a bit better in the park. Absolutely. I mean, it... It's it's an odd one because you know it can interrupt the flow and and give the opposition a chance to get back. But then if you saw if you look at the the first goal against West Brom, chance on the run and Coutinho sees the run and, and makes the dummy and the whole thing really is is all about that that run, the pass, the run, the dummy, and you know then you're away. Then then it's it's simple from there kind of thing. So yeah, it it can be a it can be a positive and it it can also kind of interrupt things. And imagine Adam Lallana was substituted in that game and went off to, to his name ringing around the stadium. If we, if we wind the clock back 12 months to this panel especially, that is a remarkable turnaround. Uh, who wants to take that one? Well, I'll tell you what was the, the strangest thing in my experience was that uh, I got up and applauded whenever he came on against Man United. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that, that, that was me. You know, but, and but, I, you know, all of a sudden, Neil, he is looking... Cheap for the money that we bought him for. You know what I mean? He well, looks he, like he's developed. He's developed. 
he's become, or I don't know, refined his form, whatever. But he's become. He's become a. I heard it midweek as somebody said. So he's moved on from becoming Lalana, the Southampton player, to Lalana, the Liverpool player. He doesn't look like yeah. the player last year or the year before that was maybe caught in the headlights a bit and just well it doesn't seem comfortable. It seemed to just not be able to cope with the enormity of it all. He's a Liverpool player now. He's definitely settled. Yeah, he's comfortable in his skin and it's it's noticeable. And you know he's gone on again. You know, he, he stepped up. That he's he moved up a level last season after Klopp came in, and he's gone up again the, at the start of this season. And you know, it, it's 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 a big, big. You like you said, Dave. It's a massive turnaround. It's a massive turnaround because we we certainly weren't the only ones. We castigate ourselves or put well, ourselves up, up there and say, you know, side of this kid, like we we, we, we took him, the bag out of him. We absolutely did. But I mean, so many people did because to be fair, he'd been with us. Two seasons, and he hadn't really shown us much. Like, I mean, we'd given him a given him a bit of a crack of the whip, and but I mean, he has turned it right now, and that's brilliant. What I think know, is because... amazing is when he came to us, he was known as the player that couldn't finish ninety minutes. He's now the player that runs the most in the team, and that's a credit from any yeah, the most of any player pretty much in the, yeah. in the league. Like, you can say that about quite a lot of our players that they've improved a lot. So maybe it's just good old fashioned good coaching, isn't it? Good instruction. They know what they're doing. The team's understanding each other, and that's all down to Klopp, then, isn't it? Really, he's kind of become the well, player that the the English media had him hyped up to be, filling that role now. Even at Southampton, absolutely. he maybe wasn't quite that player, but you were led to believe it because he was a match of the day type player. How, how much would you feel that maybe you know the fact that, as, as Neil alluded to, our chief alluded to there, you, you know the fact that he's there a couple of seasons now and. If you're there at Liverpool a couple of seasons now, that sort of makes you a senior player because we don't have an awful lot of them. Do you think that that plays into it anywhere down the line? Just the confidence, the head that gives them just the time served, so to speak? You would imagine it does. I mean, you know you know yourself, if you change jobs or whatever, it can take a while to sort of feel comfortable you know, in your own skin and just be totally yourself and totally confident in what you're doing or whatever. And obviously it's going to have a... a Probably a bigger effect on on a professional footballer than than just me or you moving to moving to another office or whatever, or another another place of business. So it's bound to play a part. But also the fact that yeah, two years down the line, he's no longer twenty five million. What's that now? I mean, there are probably I don't know. There are several players at Liverpool who have come in for more money than him since since then. There have been others. Makes it look like buttons, Neil. Exactly. Well, it does this season. It does this season. Absolutely, and let's hope he continues. If he if we can get to the end of the season, and Adam Lallana scored, you know, twelve to fifteen goals and weighed in with with the same number of assists or ten assists or whatever, then you're going to be laughing because there'll be other players who'll have gotten more as well. No, indeed, and you know it segues me nicely in Amara to um, public hate figure number one at the moment, the Adam Lallana substitute in, in our sort of worries, and that would be Carius, the goalkeeper, uh, who's taken. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a few questions being asked of him. I think it's a bit too early to, to decide one way or the other. Um, his near-perfect face saved a saved a certain goal the other day. <laughs> and if he continues like that, his face won't remain just so perfect. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the goalkeeping situation at the minute? Because it is, it seems to be the biggest question mark in the Liverpool team at the minute, even more so than defence. And, and it's, I think mainly it's down to the fact we haven't seen enough of this guy. You know, we haven't seen him make the saves and, and do what we expect of goalkeepers and there, I think it's just it's a bit early to be saying Klopp's made his decision this is the way it's going to be and I think it's just a matter of giving the guy some confidence and some time oh I don't think everyone hates him really no um, no I'm saying there's quite I didn't say <laughs> a figure I, what I meant was there's question marks at the minute being drawn yeah over. I think everyone's quite anyway sensible people um would be quite you know willing to give him that time and understand that it's a new even though you know he he speaks really good English and maybe the I don't know the culture in Germany isn't that hugely different or maybe it is but it's a new place it's a new league it's a new culture and everything so it's going to take a little bit of time he's kind of been thrown in at the deep end because Mignolet was a bit shitty and you know don't really have much option um, I think pretty much before even the season started maybe he knew he was going to be number one because um, as we discussed in the pre-pod Klopp convinced him not to go to um, the Olympics, didn't he? So you, you obviously wanted him to be around to start games. The injury then happened and, and that kept him out until, what was it, um, September or October? I can't remember now. But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I we, we're all we're all 
wary that he needs time. Um, the defensive issues that we have don't help his situation either because then he'll be put in, in predicaments that aren't comfortable for him as a new player. Um, he's got to create that understanding with the centre-backs as well. Um, the only issue for me, I don't have any issue with giving him time. You know, we've been winning our games, so none of his... He hasn't made any errors, but none of anything that's happened has cost us any points. He does look nervous in his face. That's the thing. Sometimes he doesn't... Um, you look at him and you think, um, he doesn't look very confident at the moment. Whereas he came across really confident when he first came to the club. Other than that, you know, I'm happy to give him time. You know, as long as it doesn't it doesn't cost us any points, it's fine. But um, yeah, the, the I think the he the alternative was a much better, and he knew that you know he was going to play, and and maybe it's just a bit much for him at the moment. And like I said, he just needs to to sort of settle down, create a, a bit of a, an understanding with, with the players as well. Neil Devlin, thoughts on him, uh, uh, you know, thus far? Um, you know, he's still really early on, really early doors for him. But at the end of the day, he hasn't cost us any points, which was our major gripe with Mingle last season, the amount of points that we lost with him. Um, what, what are your thoughts? I don't know what he's crying about after this game because I don't, I don't see him putting one foot wrong in the game on Saturday. You you had alluded to well, there was, it. There was a train of there was a train of thought out there, Neil, um, that you know he could have done more for the goals and so on, and he was badly placed. He didn't move, and I know we talked about it pre pod, but but maybe just uh, I'd expand on that. As, as I said to you, I think he, he comes out. Well, first of all, it's a fuck up from Lovren. You can't calculate that. You can't prepare for that. It's a fuck up. So immediately you're already in the land of unknown of what the fuck you're going to do. It's not helped by the fact that Lovren doesn't even sprint back to challenge MacArthur. He just sort of danders back and sort of lets it go. And to me, it's it's as if he comes out and he spreads himself because I think he's expecting MacArthur to take that ball across. He's playing he's playing the odds here and he's saying, right, well, I think MacArthur's going to take this down uh, across his body and put it either side of me, one side or the other. So I'm going to come out and I'm going to spread myself. He doesn't expect... Lovren to hold off. He expects Lovren to be challenging in the air, so therefore MacArthur has to take the ball down. But that doesn't happen. And then MacArthur just has a simple header over the top of him. And then it looks stupid. So then in isolation it looks stupid. Elsewhere in the game, I can't can't see anything he did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong for the second goal. It's a powerful header from 8-10 yards out that the, again... Surrounded surrounded by three red defenders. Yeah, uh, what's it? What's he going to do? Like, if you've got, if you head the ball and you head the ball well, either side of the goalkeeper, no goalkeeper saving it really. Uh, the, the other thing is, is people seem to go, oh well, maybe we should just stick Mignolet in. Are people forgetting it's been three years of constant shite from Mignolet, and it's about and three, drop points, yes, and drop points, and it's three appearances <laughs> from Carius. There's no comparison there. Come back in two seasons, three seasons, and there's parity there, and then you can say, yeah, this guy isn't as good. But when we bought him, we bought him for 4.7 million. He was 22 at the time. He's only 23 now. He's not the finished article. If he was the finished article, either we wouldn't be buying him or he wouldn't be 4.7 million. You know what I mean? Very fair point. And, Neil, you know, you, you probably saw a bit more of him than, than, than all of us. I always say that to you. Uh, what, what's your thoughts been on it? Yeah, when it's it's not been entirely unexpected at all. I mean, I, I just sort of had a, an inkling that um, it wouldn't be long before the you know the crossing thing would come out because he's not a he's you know he's not a, a goalkeeper that likes to come for crosses and you know when you play in the Premier League you have that you have those issues uh, in that you, you know you're going to get teams across a hell of a lot. But having said that, he hasn't been that bad on them. You know, you expect him to flap here and there. He wasn't bad at the weekend, particularly on crosses. As Neil says, yeah, the first goal, it doesn't look great. Maybe people think he could have put his hands up. I, I mentioned that as well. But, I mean, Neil makes a, an absolutely fair point there and that there's no challenge on the on the attacker at all. And Lovren does kind of his, uh, oh, shit, I've made a fuck up. This is going in. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's almost like he, he expected it to happen, so he doesn't really try to atone. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussed. You can make your mistakes while we're winning games. It's always going to take time for a new keeper. Never mind somebody who, as Umara said, is, is coming from a different league and all the rest of it. And you look back in history at, at goalkeepers that went on to become great, even for Liverpool. I mean, how long did Grobelar take before people trusted him? And, you know, he then went on to become one of our 
probably greatest ever goalkeepers. The hair gets mentioned. Other, Dude, I, I, never, goal- I never really truly trusted him. It was entertaining, but I, I can put my hand in my heart. You know, I never really trusted Bruce. I loved him to death, but never trust, no. Well, that's that's fair enough, but I mean, we won, we won your, he won, he won us European cups, we won titles, you know, FA cups and everything. The, the number of, of so if if Carius can be eccentric, but you know, being a team that that wins all those trophies, then you know we're not really going to bother. And I think that that's probably probably the same with with Grobelar and and other keepers. I mean, just, people talk about the hair and whatever. You don't really need to to kind of pick out. Examples. It just stands to reason that the goalkeeper, in particular, to get a rapport with the defenders, to become an absolute kind of rock. You know, it is going to take time. And and as I, as as was mentioned, he's not costing us points. He's not dropped uh, dropped anything into the net. You know, in the last minute, we're not we're not sitting here brewing three points turning into one or one point turning into none. We're sitting here going, well, you know, with one four two. Probably neither of the goals are really his fault, but he's not just that convincing. So, I mean, that convincing is just going to take time. It's going to take time for us to trust. It's going to take time for him to bet in. But, you know, you've got to give him that time. And There's another way to look at it, too. There's another way to look at it as well. Not what's, what he might be missing, but what he's adding to the overall team in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our build-up play, our defence, everything, our system is fundamentally different now that we have Karius. He's not standing on so the line like Mignolet yeah. He's now, when we have the ball in defence, he's standing at the edge of the 18-yard box, and that moves the whole team 18 yards further forward. And that's fundamental to how we're playing. It's fundamental to the counter-attacking, the swiftness of our play, and it's the fact that we now have 11 players on the pitch as opposed to 10.5 players on the pitch. Mignolet was in there, and his strength was in shot-stopping, and he wasn't even that great at it by the end he couldn't stay there and it, Klopp has brought Karius in because of what he can do with his feet what he can do in moving play forward and you can see it all that he's he's more confident and he thinks quicker than Mignolet it's just you can see it there it's black and white in front of you he he is already thinking before he gets the ball where he's putting the ball who's giving the ball to Absolutely. And, and how it's going to affect the game Mignolet just looked like a deer in the headlights when anybody passed the ball to him. We now have five across the back as opposed to four and a goalkeeper. Yeah, and it's it's it, you know you're absolutely right. The point is 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 a really good one because not only is he um, totally in tune with what he's going to do next before he even gets the ball. I mean, there are several examples of that the other day, and it's it's not just short; it's long as well. You know, it's it's mid range. He's pinging passes kind of everywhere. He's kicking out. Of his, there was one the other day where he. He sees it coming, he comes, he gathers, he's cleared it with, he's, he's taken it in his hands and, and cleared it within probably the space of three seconds, you know, to the time that he's seen the ball coming, gathered it, cleared it, released it. And it's only Mandanda coming 20 yards out of his box that stops Mane being, I think it's Mane, might be Firmino, being cleaned through, you know, one-on-one. And, you know, playing further forward, it's not just about the counter-attacks. It's also the way we're penning teams in, the way we're dominating possession. That all comes from that. You know, that it's Pep Guardiola bombed out Joe Hart, much of the consternation of the British press. They brought in Claudio Bravo. Now, he's done that for exactly the same re- reasons. And we've got a far better deal in Carius than they have in Bravo for exactly the same reasons. Our Achilles heel is obviously our crossing and our set pieces, but you're saying that he's not confident on crosses. So that means no clean sheets for us anytime soon. But he, the thing is, he, he never has been. He, well, not necessarily confident on cross, but he's not a claimer. I mean, he plays much more in the Neuer mold, you know, it, and it's quite typical of, of German goalkeepers in that they'll, they'll be very proactive and come out and use their feet a lot. Weidenfeller was the same at, uh, at Dortmund. But they don't they don't come off their line for crosses so much. They tend to leave that to to the defenders, and they knew that when they when they started. What, what goalkeeper? Them, what them, modern so. goalkeeper is great on crosses? There's nobody who really stands out because it's the position has moved on. It's yeah, not something it's people. Game. Yeah. people well, I, would, are, I would go as far as saying the position's regressed because it's all about feet now, and you know they talk about oh well you know. The goalkeeper should have the ability to, to be a shot stopper. We shouldn't even bring that into the equation. It's all now about their ability to distribute the ball and their ability to use the feet in the modern game. 
But does that mean that we're forgetting about, you know, the, the age-old tradition of goalkeeping? Have we moved on that far? It's like well, I think it's, 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 like, it's everything. like Neil. Yeah, like, like, like Neil said, it's not 10 and a half players anymore. It's evolved now. And at this time in football, it's, it's an 11-a-side game. The best teams tend to play. Nearly, nearly all of them. Not quite. But a lot of the top teams play with, with this sweeper-keeper, with this... You know, a, 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 a goalkeeper who is an auxiliary defender and maybe one who's even better with the ball at his feet than, than the centre-halves even. But when, when Mignolet was in goal, we always used to say, you know, he doesn't come for the crosses or he misses them or whatever. But then we're allowing for Carrius to not have that in his locker, but that's OK because the position's moved on. I just think that when when we compare Carrius and Mignolet, it's kind of apples and oranges. It's sort of a... A pointless comparison in the sense that I don't think Mignolet's ability to come for crosses or not come for crosses was ever really what what people began disliking him for. It was the errors that he was making. It was the uncertainty when the ball was at his feet. His inability to distribute all those things came long before and and also sometimes get mixed up with the, the not coming for crosses. Actually, Mignolet comes and punches quite well. That's not really the problem. The problem is there'll be plenty of times where he comes and tries to catch it and then drops it. Or, you know, like we had against Ludogorets, where he just makes absolute fucking hashes of it. And I think Neil was absolutely right in saying that you could have, you, we would have, and we did, and we had forgiven keepers who make those mistakes in the early parts of their career. But after with us, but after three seasons and, and pretty much no real major improvement, we were crying out for a replacement, so we've got to kind of give this guy a, a real crack of the whip before we kind of throw the baby out of the bathwater. No, I hear you. And, you know, I don't feel there's a need on this particular pod to, 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 to go over the front uh, line again because, you, you know, we've we've waxed lyrical about them on many pods. I'd rather take the rest of this pod to take a look forward maybe to the end of the year and the fixtures that we have because... We did have quite a quite a difficult start to the season with some of the games. Certainly, you know, we've got a lot of them out of the way. And the next real sort of acid test, in my opinion, is New Year's Eve with uh, with Man City. But leading up to that, home to Watford, um, away to Southampton, home to Sunderland, away to Bournemouth, home to West Ham, away to Middlesbrough. The the, the Liverpool derby, we'll not, we'll not call. It can go any way. We all know that. It was Stoke at home. And then uh, we have Any way that's red, like, any way yeah, well, that's red. <laughs> You know they're, they're they're difficult to call. You know you know what I mean. You take a point out of that, you don't think gonna hang off it. Uh, yeah. But certainly the rest on current form and the way we're looking, they look like a very 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 favourable set of fixtures coming up. And you know I, I talked to you on this pod earlier about you know maybe by Christmas we're still in the mix with these fixtures. It sort of leads you to believe that we can be well in the mix come Christmas. Uh, Omara, you've been quiet. Go ahead with this. What do you think? We hate that term, favourable, winnable set of fixtures. Oh, but I know. This, it, it, this it goes season, against us every time. Yeah, but it does. There's a different we, we mentality it, about this team. Yes, it is. there is. That's what I was going to say. Is Last season, we every time we talked about three or four winnable fixtures, it always ended up you know, biting us in the arse. And um, this season, it seems different. It's, we're only 10 games in. I say only, but a quarter of the season's already gone and we're looking like we can beat these teams now. So, yes, you're right. I mean, the next four or five or six even fixtures up to the Everton game look really, really good. The Everton game could be a little bit of a problem. We've got, they've got some really good players at the moment. Lukaku, Balassi has, always, has uh, haunted us. Over and, uh, the years. Monday night uh, kickoff as well. Never good for us. <laughs> OK, well, there you go. That adds to the spice. Yeah, so, I mean, look, Sunderland are pretty woeful at the moment as well. So... Worst start to the Premier League season ever. Yeah, yeah. Two points after ten games. Bloody hell! Yeah. So these these do it does look good, and you're right. Come Christmas time, if we're still up in that top sort of three, I mean we're joint top. If you sort of forget about goal difference, which is important, but we you know we're still level on points, so we could be up there at Christmas time. And and if we are there, kind of December January time, then. You know that would be a really interesting place to be, and I think then then maybe we can kick off from there. At the moment, it's all like it's very new and it's early on, and we're quite still wary. But um, yeah, I mean the, the Man City doesn't bother me. We've always done well against them, so I'm not fussed about Man City. But 
you know, you could have a couple of sort of hurdles in 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 that group. West Ham aren't looking very good at the moment either. I mean, the last year they were a bit very good, but this season they're looking a bit off form. And um, yeah, it, it we could be in up and among there in, at Christmas time. And Neil Devlin, for you, um, you know, from your negative point of view, uh, maybe I'm <laughs> maybe you see me as looking forward to this and go, oh dear, what are you doing to me? But you know, you you got to look at it now and. We've got to start looking maybe at this season in a different way and the possibility that this could be a golden opportunity for us, given what we've seen so far, given those fixtures that are in front of us, being in the right position about Christmas time. You know, we saw this um, in the 13-14 season. It's all about, you know, where, where you are sort of at that midway point. And the signs are, I, I'm not going to get carried away. I, I think we'll get top four, but first is within that top four. I've said that before. It's a position within that within that group of places. But I think if we get the results on this, we can really kick on then into the new year. Yeah. If you look at it even in terms of the 10 fixtures that we've had, compare that those 10 fixtures to the 10 fixtures the other two teams. They look like we buns, but that's where we fuck up. That's the point of having this whole conversation. Yeah. But you know, if, we're, if we're beating Hull, West Brom and Palace, I'm starting to think... Yeah, you have to look a different way. Yeah, I'm starting to think we can beat these teams. Uh, we've always said it about Arsenal over the years. They just beat the guff. That's what they do. And it's in the big games that they, they fall down. And that's how they build top four finishes year after year is by beating the guff. And if we can become that team that beats the guff over the next two, three months, we've already beat Chelsea, Arsenal. We've already drew with Spurs. So... If you add those points in the bank... And going to Old Trafford at the minute doesn't hold any fear for us because they're going to have to play. And you know how terrified he is of us. No, and I'd, I'd love Clattenburg to be on that one again. I'd like to see Jose come out and say, no, we shouldn't have got Clattenburg because uh, he's given us penalties in the past. <laughs> they weren't too happy with Clattenburg at the weekend. It's not a place to fear. Is Jose even going to be there by then? Don't know. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> he's it's, funny as fuck, but controversial. It's, it's as people have been saying. It's like he's moved. He's skipped three seasons. He's on the third season already. He's already in fucking meltdown mode. <laughs> he's, he's already well, when, co- when you spend all when you spend all your money in one shop, that's what you get, I suppose. You know, um, and and just highlighted how much more work that that team needed bar one player and you know when you look at the Juventus model and how they spent the money that they got for Pogba and they've basically built a second team that's nearly as good as their first team it just shows you maybe where he went wrong yeah that, that team should be much better than it is but well hopefully he will still be there by the time we can because it seems to be in, in our favor that if he is but yeah in terms of the the fixtures we've already got the points in the bank in terms of Chelsea Spurs Arsenal Think about it. we've went to London and what is it? We've won ten out of twelve points in London. We through through history we're we're usually rubbish in London. We usually don't get that many points. So we've already got those points in the bank, and it seems like things are turning around. So if you add that to the the points that you get against the Gulf up until Christmas, it's starting to look very rosy. People were waxing lyrical about City at the start of the season. They're five in a row or whatever. They're playing no playing teams that are expected to beat. We weren't. And people are saying, oh, look at our defence, look at our defence. But we're playing teams like Arsenal and Chelsea as well. Do you know what I mean? You're going to you're gonna concede against these teams. So it's not apples to apples. I think we're in a better position. I think if if you'd said to all three teams you're going to be in the, the same points after these amount of fixtures, they would be fearing us. And they have to be fearing us at this point. No, and and you know you mentioned the goal difference as well. The goal difference is is comparable for one match. You know what that can change in what it's not so far away. We're, that's that's how close we are to it. Uh, Neil, Chief, yourself. Now you were one of the ones maybe that was probably the most optimistic, probably of this group that we'll have here about the title chances this season. And you know your words are sort of probably the truest out of all of us so far. I'll settle for that. Like at the moment, anyway. <laughs> so let's hope you know. Let's hope they still are at the end. Well, I mean, I thought we could. I didn't see why we couldn't put in a big title challenge this year. And um, you know, it seems that touch wood at the moment we're on course to to at least be in the conversation and be right up there. And these fixtures, you know, bar in the one away at Southampton, which is is going to be a difficult fixture. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The 
their manager has settled in after you know a bit of a shaky start, and they're really a, a well kind of a well oiled machine at the moment. Although Chelsea did go there and beat them yesterday, we need to do Chelsea what Chelsea did. Chelsea got the early goal, and that changed yeah. that game massively. And what that's what we need to do. If we're going there, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, massively because. Southampton's game is built on on a really really solid defence. Like so, you get that early goal, and you know it, it does change things. And we certainly have the talent. We should have the talent to go there and win. But when you look at those games, I mean, take out Watford because we sort of put them into our, our last three. I, I, I would expect us to beat Watford at home. And you look at the rest of those games. You know, I I'd be bold. They got Troy Deeney, but Neil. They do. They do. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, maybe he'll have broken his big toe or something. Won't be able to play because you know <laughs> we all know we all know what a legend the Dini is. Like um, he's a WFI legend. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But you look at that, and I would be bold enough to say that we would go to go to Goodison Park and beat them. They they have an inferiority complex against us, and you know we're better than them. So I, I think we will go there and win. That wouldn't be a game that would bother me. If, if I'm looking at that, uh, you know, the Southampton one's tough. West Ham, you never know. You know, they're unpredictable. They haven't started well, but they are capable and they beat us three times last season. So, um, you know, that's not a banker. Sad you if they don't like it as well. Fucking right, they can. Like, <laughs> luckily, luckily we're, we're at home. home. Yeah, luckily we're at home there. So, I mean, you look at those games all the way up to City. Which is the Saturday the thirty first, which would be the I think the nineteenth game of the season, which would be exactly the midpoint. So you look at the previous eight and you think there's no team there that, that you should be scared of. There's no team. Not Sunderland, you not, not well, Sunderland, form, no. <laughs> Sunderland, you've got to beat. You know, Sunderland, you've just got to beat. You know, Bournemouth, okay, they're half decent, but again, you've got to beat them. We're selling them Jordan Ive for fifteen million, who couldn't get on our bench. You know, um Middlesbrough no great shakes. West Ham, I've mentioned. Stoke at home, they, 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 I think they've only ever scored one goal at Anfield in the Premier League. They've got or Wee Joe, ever. though. They have got Wee Joe, but I mean, we, we've got Wee Joe. <laughs> Wee Joe's so. having a good season so far. Uh, he, he trumps that. So, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, we are probably going to drop points here and there. You know, you, you don't get a perfect season, but looking at those games, you know, you've got to say we're top at the moment with those next eight or nine fixtures, we should still be very much in the top two or three. And, and traditionally, you know, teams do kick on from Christmas. And that's why I keep making the point of being in that mix around Christmas time. And if you look at even if you look at even Klopp's season last season, from Christmas onwards, the momentum had started to build. And we looked really good that last sort of half of the season. Uh, you know, we throw in our Europa campaign and on top of that as well. And, you know, we don't have that distraction. He's, he's got the preparation time. Um, he looks like he's getting it right in the majority of cases. Uh, as you say, the bench, th- there's a bench there that makes a difference as well. Um, you, you know, we, we're, we're talking about a team here with Sturridge sitting on the bench, a man who can change a game uh, if he if he's interested enough, can come on and make a difference. There's always going to be uh, a mid, a decent midfielder sitting on our bench yeah. also. I mean, potentially, you've got Sturridge, Origi, Wijnaldum or Chan yep. or Henderson, one of them on the bench there. You know, you've got a Clavan or, or a Sacco if he's back in contention at all or whatever, another another centre-back. So you've got a really strong bench as, as well, you know. And, and also then you have the the possibility, although I'm not sure that there's there's whispers and rumours at the minute we're, we're going to dabble in the transfer market in January uh, for for a defender. I, I've heard whispers, but again, it's just whispers. Uh, would, you, would you be open to that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, um, we all have our, well, most of us have our reservations about the, the day, John, so... He's doing Come all right next, at the moment. Coming to you next. But most <laughs> of us has our, have our reservations about him. And, and solid as Clavan is, he's, he's certainly no world-class replacement, is he? And it looks seems like Sacco's days are numbered. So, you know, we don't know about Joe Gomez. He didn't play for us for very long. He's been injured for 100 years, and we don't know how he's going to be when he comes back. So it would make sense. Young. Yeah, absolutely. Also very young. Kid. Yeah, so so I mean, it would make sense to go in, and it would make sense if you're sitting first, second, third in the league with very little to choose between teams to go in then and strengthen and make sure you've got the tools to to make a push. You know, the second half of the season is also when the um, 
you know, the, the long seasons for those playing European football start to bite a little bit. And you mentioned our Europa campaign. It, you know, our league form did suffer as, as, as a result of that. And there will be other teams there who, who that happens to, whether it's Champions League, whether they've dropped down to the Europa League or whether they've been in the Europa League the whole way. You know, so that's going to kick in as well. So I mean, we sh- we're we're sitting we're sitting quite nicely. I mean, let's just not, not to mention we're the coffee, fittest team but, uh, in the league probably, and that yeah. fitness is going to start counting in around ja- January and February. It would yeah. count even if they didn't have more fixtures than we did. Uh, it, you can see it even in games going forward. We're never troubled in the last ten, fifteen game, fifteen minutes of a game because we are fitter than the oppos- opposition, and that yeah, over the season always... is going to start to play in our favor especially when it comes to the fact we don't have fixtures. Like last year, people said Spurs ran out of steam. It's also because Spurs are in the Europa League at the same time. So obviously they're going to run out of steam. We're going to be the fittest team and we're going to have the least amount of fixtures. So it's all going to start to play into our hands. And then we've got those guys at home. We've got the Arsenal at home. We've got Chelsea at home. We've got Spurs at home. That's all... It's like the planets are aligning, and it's there for us if we can take it. My only worry is we don't, we very rarely take the opportunity. But then again, this season there's people dropping points around us, and we're taking the opportunities. It's exactly that's the major difference for me, Neil. You know, traditionally, like I think it was last weekend, not the weekend past, the weekend before, where people were dropping points, and we were like, "Oh God, here we go." We we know we're just going, but we didn't. Yeah, when we, we played West Brom, they all drew, yeah. didn't they? Arsenal, yeah, that's right. Miss City. That's right, and we we got caught up in mm. that. Omara, for you, um, do you think if we do double in this transfer window in January, that it's going to be a different? And we're we're talking about hypothetically us being in the mix. Do you think that being in the mix will will help Klopp maybe in the transfer window where he struggled to get the players that he wanted in in the summer? Because obviously the the money's there. There's no, no issue with money. Uh, one would imagine to, to bring in new players if he wanted to. Um, you know, he said uh, in the tra- at the end of the, the the summer transfer window, he just couldn't get the players he wanted, and that was maybe due to the stature. But if we're sitting up and around the top end of the Premier League, looking good, do you think that we might see some names arrive? Um, well, if you watch the way we're playing football at the moment, who doesn't want to join in and and you know kind of play that kind of football that we're playing? Honestly, so I, we said, I would imagine we said, we said that about. After the Europa campaign, you know, we, we, people should or players could see and want to jump on this bandwagon. And and clearly, but we they, didn't. We hadn't. If we'd have won the Europa League, then maybe if we'd have been in the Champions League, but we didn't. So it didn't matter in the end, did it? So what I'm saying is that if if we're up and around there, sort of challenging for the title, you know, second or third in January, then yeah, I think it would help. It can only help. But you know, obviously, if you're languishing in sixth or seventh or eighth place, then no one's really going to be interested. But uh, like you said, there's all the neutrals, all the other fans, they're all watching how we're playing the football. They're all seeing Klopp's energy and his enthusiasm. And I just think it'd be a bit of a stupid footballer if, if he wants you and you didn't want to come. So, yeah, it, would, it definitely would only help. And um, we'll so who, who, and see. Who, any ideas who you would buy to replace Dejan? No? No, I don't. I was reading that. I think you mean you read the same article. Uh, look, listen, right, if... We obviously, if we get a better defender, I'm not a Dejan Lovren fan over a Liverpool fan. I stick up for Dejan Lovren because everyone hates the guy. Oh, you go, but, girl. Um, but if you know, if if it's better for the team, and then and then a, be, a, a better centre back comes along, fair enough. If, I think you know, that's has the way to be it is. Top of our list. Yeah, I'm, I can't well, that's, that's give you any particular we're names. Looking at, we're we're looking at Sula again as well, apparently. Well, either or. I would. Yeah, both. I wouldn't put it past both because if we're Looking to replace Lovren, and we're looking to get rid of Sacco. We'll we'll need the two. The other thing is, uh, I I don't I haven't heard anything or anything, but I think it's nailed on that the hood comes here in January. I think that that's going to happen because I don't think yeah. I don't think Henderson's the final product. I don't see Klopp. Uh, Klopp says a lot of things about a lot of players. He said Simon oh. Mignolet was his goalkeeper, and look how that worked out. And the wasn't there a lot ha- of talk about the hood in the summer though? Yeah, yeah I think what happened then? I think it was more that Gladblack wouldn't let Dahoud go because they sold Chaka and Dahoud is not getting on that much. But there's a there's a dispute there going on, and Gladbach are sitting in eleventh in the Bundesliga. Yeah, they're not playing well. Yeah, I, I think and it's a kind of toxic situation going on there, and I think it comes to January. I think Munchen Gladbach might just say, right, we're going to cash in. 
Yeah, and I think he has. I think he has a release clause that kicks in next summer as well. Like, yeah, they so, want to get rid. Of, they want to, They I want to tie down the contract, and he's saying no. So, and it's probably to get rid of that clause. And I think how much best, is he going to cost? Very, very little if he goes on the release, and because of the release, then what they can get from him in January is going to be a fraction of what they were asking for in the last season, which was over thirty mil. So, yeah. and the noises, the noises coming out seem to be that he wouldn't object to coming to us in any shape or form. Is what I'm led to believe, whether that's true or not. But that certainly, I've heard those noises being made. I, I heard that he he was all set and he wanted to come, and that's what this is why yeah. the current situation is the way it is. Uh, yeah, that they they said no way because they sold basically their entire central midfield, and they said no way we're letting you go. And he said, well, I want to go. And they've uh, they've basically been butting heads about it ever since. Like he's been sitting. On and the could, could could you see it? You know, obviously we we slimmed the squad down in the summer, but if you're in the right position, I could see Klopp maybe saying, well, you know, let's let's bring them in now as opposed to the summer, and make sure that we are in that spot, and then in the summer we can add the rest of the pieces that we need. I think that makes sense. Certainly, and you've got nothing to lose, have you? I mean, you're bringing them in so they can get acclimatised to the club, get used to the style of play, get used to their teammates, you know, settle in, get a house, all that kind of stuff, and then be absolutely ready to go for pre-season and go on from there. At the same time, you're, you, you've got them in reserve should you need them this season, and it means you've got your a lot of the business that you wanted to do in the summer, you've gotten done early, and, you know, all the better, like. All the better. It makes sense. A lot of the big teams don't go for players in January as well, so that is your chance, really, to get. Yeah, and, and you'll pay more, but at the same time, you pay. We more haven't paid because, anything in effect, yeah. Neil, because you know we, we were so light in in the summer transfer window. We came out of it in the black, yeah. so that would, to me, suggest that money shouldn't really be an issue in it. Teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona don't buy players in January. That's your time. You may pay a little bit extra than what you were prepared to pay, but. That's when you can get the play- players like that. That's why we got somebody like Suarez in January. Yeah, and we know Jose's going to spend another two million or two hundred million in January anyway. So I don't that's know, that's club, <laughs> I was going to say buying a house or something. P- PSG or back to Inter maybe, so they can uh, well, scupper around well, FFP there, again. Yeah, well, there's that as well. So, so we'll bring this to a close here, and, and we'll take a bit of a look forward to to the Watford game. And uh, I'll start Wombs on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts? Surely it's three points. It should be three points, shouldn't it? It should be, but I remember on our last pod that why I said that this might be a tricky game. <laughs> I picked this one out for us to maybe drop points in, but I don't know. We're just really good at the moment and I'm confident and I don't like this feeling <laughs> because it's um, it always used to sort of come back to haunt us, but I don't know. I don't know. We're at home, aren't we? So. There's a different feel to us all of a sudden, there isn't is, there? Like, and it really it's confusing. Is. It's confusing, and I don't know how to how to. You don't want to let the negative us. side go, just to be on the safe side. No, because exactly. It's Liverpool, it's like a, but you want to believe. <laughs> it's like a mental kind of thing. You, you have, have to, to you have to be prepared. Ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's going to be a long process, but um, I don't know. I'm confused. I, I said I said we'd drop points, but I'm changing my mind now. I think we're going to win. So do I. Chief, can we keep Troy Deeney in check? That's the question for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping that, uh, that between them, Dejan and, and Joel can can uh, keep the big, the legend that is Troy Deeney under under control and under wraps. Watford are an, they're an interesting proposition because they're quite good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't think they're going to come and park a bus. I think that's that's mm. part of my optimism. No, they're they above won't. United in the league, aren't they? So they, they haven't been yeah, very good United, though. Yeah, they 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 won. They just won at the weekend there, but it was only one nil. Uh, who was it against? One nil at home against Hull, and they scored later on. So they've got their man, your man uh, Mazzari, who's who's doing quite a good job there. They're pretty well organised. They're no great shakes, but but they're decent and they're solid. And I would imagine that they'll not finish any lower than than about twelfth this season. So while it's not going to be an easy game. It's definitely going to be a physical game. It's going to be hard work. We've definitely got the talent to beat them. I mean, our home performances have been pretty excellent so far this year. Um, Watford aren't so great away from home. They're, they're better at home. Um, and that's really well. They'll, they'll target most of their points. They're not really, I don't think, going to expect to get too much coming away to Anfield. And they're not going to bank on doing it. It's not going to upset their season one way or the other. 
obviously it'll be a bonus, and obviously it's Matsari's first chance to you know pit himself against against Liverpool against Jurgen Klopp in in the Premier League. So he, he's going to be up for it. They're going to be up for it. But as Umara says, why would you not be confident? We're playing so well. We're at home. Uh, we're unbeaten at home this season. So you would expect us to go on and win. And the way we've been dispatching these teams that, that have given us problems in the past, there's nothing to suggest we shouldn't go and win this home game. You know, even last season when we did have the problems, I'm pretty sure we beat Watford at home. We struggled against them away. But, hell, we had Bogdan and Nets. So I expect us to win. Maybe not Maybe not so flamboyantly. Maybe it'll just be a 2-0 or a 2-1. But I do expect us to win. Okay, now, Senor Devlin, I want you to sprinkle magic dust on this. You started positively. Can you finish positively? Let's let's go for it. Well, here's one for you. I don't think we've dropped points. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I don't think we've dropped points at home at Anfield since about January, I think it is. Watford are at home. You just made that up. No, I, 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 I think that's true. Prove I it. Think, yeah. <laughs> well, we must have dropped points against United because we only drew. Yeah. Or not dropped, but we haven't lost at home. Sorry. Okay. We haven't lost at home since about January. So, and this is at home, and I don't, I don't see us losing. I don't see us losing home or away. The, <laughs> the way we're playing, <laughs> even when we're getting pegged back to two-two, I don't see us see us losing. Sure, we might draw, but I don't see us losing. And it's going to be at home. It's on a Sunday. It's the afternoon game. I, th- I think we're winning this. 3-1. We're not, we're not keeping a clean sheet, obviously. Mm, predictions, eh? Yeah. There you I go, think. Dave Dunning. You're not getting your clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, 3-1, three, three I see Uh Although, if you look at the league, Watford are in seventh, surprisingly enough. So, But yeah, I think 3-1. I don't see it. We're not phased by anybody. And I think the fact that Watford, I think they'll come to play, and that suits us. No, I agree with you. I, I think that, that Walford will, will, will come and have a bit of a go at it. They may be a bit more defensive, but it's, I'm not talking about a Jose fucking 8-1-1. The opportunity exists for us to win the game. People, thank you very much for your time, as always. And we'll just finish off by going around the table for any plugs that you have and where we can find you. Neil Devlin's the first name I see. You go ahead first. As ever, I have no plugs whatsoever. I have a Twitter <laughs> account. You probably won't like it. <laughs> so I'll say <laughs> nobody does <laughs> so where that, is that Twitter account or is it hidden <laughs> is it really any is point? it a you're secret not, you're not going to like it is a secret it's actually behind closed doors you have this is the beauty of it you have to apply to follow me so it's you're actually inflicting the pain on yourself yes sense of importance <laughs> right moving swiftly along Neil you don't have to ask permission to follow you where can we find you uh, you can get me at no, I, I, anyone, anyone can follow me <laughs> we, we no. you're, you're close we don't care where you are no oh, okay. no no purple, purple man don't follow him too many Neils yeah don't follow Neils. him we don't either <laughs> so you can, if you want to you can catch me on uh, Twitter at Neil1980 don't really have anything I'm working on at the minute because I've been out of the loop for the last week back at home. Um, check out Cop Left, as ever. Check out uh, all the podcasts on it. And I do like a bit of World Football Index, so get on there, particularly Bodies in the Box. Particularly if you want to have any idea why we keep banging on about Troy Deeney, go and look up those ones. Uh, but they're always worth a listen every week, so get on those. I can't disagree with that at all. And, and certainly last but not least, for fear of putting my crash helmet on, where can we find you? I, no, hang on. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay with Neil. How's the, the article <laughs> How's the article coming along for Cop Left, by the way, Neil? You know, it's what, many months now. Is it any, any progress? Well, I've been cultivating it and thinking about it and thinking about it again and cultivating it. So it's no, no near it's, it's completion. It's a masterpiece. It's a work in progress. But I'll tell you what, you'll you'll definitely get one. I promise you, you'll definitely get one before Christmas. He's doing it in between karaoke sessions. That's it. Between karaoke and binge drinking, you know, there's not much time for article writing. So, well, at least you're honest. <laughs> well, that, that seems like a plausible excuse to me, and there's no problem with that. Omara, what's your excuse, and where can we find you? Just follow Neil Devlin because pretty much agree on everything anyway, <laughs> apart from Lovren. We will never just follow him. him. Just follow no, him. You, but you can't follow him. That's the whole point. You, you can. You need to. You need to be accepted. That's the only thing. He needs to check you out first and have a look at your tweets and go through your, 
you know, history, and then he'll decide whether or not he's actually following. You really seem like somebody who puts that much effort into that something. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you've got experience to do that. So yeah, following me is too easy. I want people to follow him, and then you know that's fine. You know, my opinions, his opinions, pretty much the same thing. (laughs) This is just because you know I don't want anybody to follow me. (laughs) No, that's why exactly. Yeah, follow Neil. Big thanks again for your time, as always, and your opinion. And we should be back again next week, hopefully celebrating yet another win and our, maybe even we'll be top of the league on our own right. So until then, catch us on Cop Left. Take a bit of a look at the, the website, give us a follow. Also, you can find me across the World Football Index. And as Neil said, if you haven't, why not? There's some great pods out there at the minute as well. So until the next one, goodbye from everybody here and thanks for listening. Thanks.